Amen. You may be seated. God's good, huh? Amen. It's been a great, uh, great couple of weeks. Thanks to Pastor Pam for sharing all she has and Elizabeth while we were gone and, and in Tulsa. And just leave you this, just this quick word. Uh, Pastor Stanley sends his love and his thanks. Uh, he, he, there wasn't a, a day that didn't go by that he didn't say something to me while we were out there with him or call Pastor Bill back here in Lafayette while he was in Tulsa and just express his love and his gratitude for all the kindness uh, that the people of Victory sh- just showed him showered on him uh, with the offering and with all those things, of course, but, but just the love that he felt as he got to say hi to you, as you got to say hello to him and, and the hugs and seeing his kids on your lapels as you wore, those, those, you wore the stickers or you wore the buttons with all the orphans on them with the children. and uh, Those are his kids. And as we continued to go and grow and the days got longer when we were in Tulsa, I had to keep telling him, come on, buddy, you're almost there. He looked tired when we showed up. He was glad to see us, but he had about seven more days before he got to go home, and uh, he was being blessed. God was pouring into his life. He got his big cowboy hat out there, and uh, we went shopping on Tuesday afternoon, got a big brown felt, heavy, hot cowboy hat, nothing like that in the 100-degree heat in Sudan, I guess, to be wearing a big... said, don't you want one of these straw ones? And he said, no, the president wears one of these, and so that's what he had on. And uh, he's a quick shopper. He, he, they don't have the kind of selection we have. We walked into a cowboy store in, in Tulsa. They must have had a 1,000 hats. And uh, he, he was overwhelmed, walked right to the rack and said, I want this one. And he put it on his head and it sat clear up here. And I said, that one's not going to fit you. We're going to want to get a different size. So I found the right size. And he said, it's the one I want. Five minutes, in and out. He's fantastic to shop with. But he showed up to my brother's house. I brought him over for dinner, and, and we were just going to sit and have dinner with my brother and his family and, and, and just let them get to know Pastor Stanley. And he showed up with his cowboy hat on, all ready to go, everything but spurs. So uh, he had a great time. He left Monday morning. About He was at the airport at 4.30 a.m. Uh, in Tulsa to leave. And uh, we got a note this afternoon that he is finally in Uganda and uh, on his way home. So we had a little bit of a communication problem there for a little while where his phone went on the fritz and we didn't know where he was and so we were trying to track him uh, but he did make it home and he's on his way back and I know he's going to be excited but he takes with him he takes with him not just the experience of being in the states he doesn't take with him just the the things that he heard at word explosion and the the dvds that he bought because he wanted to hear all those he wanted to hear that word over and over again he takes with him all of your love and he ta- and those are the things that that he kept talking about how gracious each of you were and how caring, how loving, and uh, how kind you were to him, and uh, especially what he calls to his kids. Uh, It really means a lot to him, and he just wanted to express his thanks, so I'm just giving you that uh, as we go. But it was a real blessing to have him here. Come this weekend, I'm telling you, I know it's one thing after another, but you'll be blessed. Caleb and Sarah haven't come here. This is the fourth time that they'll be here, fourth year in a row, and they haven't come without a great word for this church. In the men's breakfast, they've come with a great word for the men, for the ladies and their lunch. She's had a great word. And then on Sunday morning, they've had a wonderful word that was right in line with what we're doing and where we're going. While we were out there in Tulsa, we got an opportunity. I didn't hear a lot of people speak. I got to hear Bill Winston a couple times, but I was thrilled. I'm going to share just a little bit of it because the things that they're talking about, the things that they're sharing are the same things that we've been sharing, the same things that we've been hearing here as we continue to go through this year. So uh, it was encouraging. It was exciting opportunity to meet and greet and talk to a lot of people, but there's nothing like going and just sitting and hearing from God, getting confirmation on some things, but also growing and stretching you in some things as well. 
I shared this last year when we came back, and I hadn't really heard Bill Winston before last year when we went. And, I, and as he began to share, I had to come home, and I had to listen to that message about three or four times because it was a little bit higher than where I was. Have you ever heard something that was just a little bit? It sounded good. <laughs> it sounded right. Uh, I was really excited. My spirit man was jumping up and down, but the rest of me was trying to catch up. And uh, those, are, those are good words to hear. And I believe that God speaks to us that way many times, and sometimes he hits you right where you're at, but I think a lot of the times as he grows us, as he begins to to lead us into a new thing, if we'll allow him to, he'll speak to us just a little little bit past where we are in ourselves. Why? Because it takes faith to catch up to that. You can't catch up to that if you don't use faith because you don't have the mentality that will get you there. The things that you're hearing, just they, they, they feel good to your spirit, man. They sound right to your spirit, man. But in your head, you're thinking, oh, man, really? But it's not your head that you lead with. It's with faith that you live your life. And so it always pulls you and it takes you kind of into a new place. And I, it was great to hear him and to share with him. And I was dressed appropriately this time. There was a time when he shows up, he, wear, he is suited up. That guy wears like the whole deal, man. He is suited up. And everybody in the place is suited up. They all dress appropriately for the speaker that's there. And then a couple years ago, I was with Pastor Pam, and I said, am I all right to go? And I had on some old faded jeans, some flip-flops, and a T-shirt. And I was like, I'm on vacation, you know. So I was like, I'm good to go. So I show up, and everybody's in a suit. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then they came and got us, and they sat me right behind him. I tucked my feet up under that thing so he couldn't see my toes. I had them all tucked down. I was pulling my shirt down. I was trying to pretend like, no, just being visible, just being visible. Because she said, oh, you look fine, honey. I was like, great. So I was dressed appropriately this time. But as he began to share, he went to John chapter 2, and he read this story. And we've gone through this story a couple times as we've talked about the water into the wine. But as as he goes down, he says, uh, if you look somewhere around verse 7, it's Jesus. And he said to the people who were there, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And then he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And then it says, when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And then the guests have been well drunk. Then he gives them the inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now, that you have saved the best for last. And I just would share with you some of these things that he said. And one of the things that he began to talk about and share was, what if this is the case? We are in what we consider in the church to be the last days. What if he has saved you for last? What if he has saved the people who were in the church, all of us who are working and doing the things that he has called us to do? This message fits with some of the things that we've talked about over the last bunch of months in this church. What if he has saved you, his best gift to the earth for last? See, just as this wine was the best wine and it was served in the end, and the guy said, you saved your best for last. What if God has brought us all into this place, all at this time, and he has saved the best for last? See, the greatest miracles have yet to be performed. And who's going to do that? See, hopefully you thought, I will. Hopefully you didn't think, well, I hope somebody does. See, that's, a, that's the difference. Then, 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 then you start looking in the Bible and you go through. The difference today is we are all that person. Jesus said that you will do the works that you see me do, and greater than these you will do. 
And so you have to begin to see yourself doing that. We think, oh, that would be fantastic if we were at church and some guy came in in a wheelchair and Pastor John laid his hands on him and prayed and he was healed and stood up and he ran across the aisle back and forth and those things will happen and that'll be fantastic and we'll all jump up and down. But you go to work with somebody in a wheelchair. And what if he saved his best for last and that's you? See, this is a little past where you might, you know, you've got to, got to kind of leap in the spirit a little bit and kind of go with this just a touch. What if you are the best and he saved you for last? Just like this wine, just like this place. See, we're the last day army bringing in the last day harvest. Why would he, see, why, why would he do the best things first and the worst things last? He said these are going to be the greatest signs, the greatest wonders, the greatest miracles that the church has ever seen. And who's in the church? Us. See, who's here at this time? Us. Who did God pick? Us. He could have, he could have had you born in the 1400s. You could have been born and you could have been born in 1922. You could have been born some other time. You could have been born back in Bible days. You could have been a camel. I mean, he could have done whatever he wanted to do with you. Some of you spit like a camel. But I mean, you know, I mean, he could have made you anybody, but he made you who he made you and he put you where he put you. He put you in the time frame that he put you in. So he saved the best for last and you're the best. You're the best he's got. And he has planted you in this earth to bring in the last day harvest. That there are pastors and there are preachers and there are apostles and teachers and all the fivefold ministry gifts and they're the ones who come and we'll share it in a second who equip the saints for the working of the ministry. Why? Because it's going to take all of us getting out there. These are all the things we've heard. It's going to take all of us out there bringing in this harvest because the harvest is what matters to God. Now this, 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 this point might, might, might make you spin a little bit on the inside. The harvest is what matters to God. He doesn't care if you get a new car. He doesn't care if you get a new boat. He's not interested in the fact that you need a new house. I mean, he will, he will take care of you. He gives you the desires of his heart. But you dying with a lot of stuff is not in his best interest. His best interest is you dying empty so that you can see the harvest in the kingdom. That's what he's after. He's after the harvest. Now, will you be blessed in your work for the harvest? Yes. But too many believers try to be blessed first before they work for the harvest. And God says, go out and just work for the harvest. Yes, you have a job. Yes, you have a duty. Yes, we have something that we have to do. Pastor Stanley has a fantastic life. The people that live where he lives have a great life. And I think when we look at them with our eyes through the United States or through our wealth and through our abundance and through our good stuff that we have, we look at them and we say, oh, those poor folks. Those poor folks get to get up every day and just get people saved. Pastor Stanley goes around trying to figure out how to get more orphans in the orphanage so he can save their life. He goes out and he tries to speak to people in the streets to get them saved. He prays for people and casts out devils so that they can be free. That's what his life, that's what his whole life consists of. He doesn't have to worry about making it home for 7 o'clock Jeopardy. 7 o'clock spin the wheel, 7.30 Jeopardy. Sorry. See, but, th- but those, those, aren't, those don't even, that, that stuff doesn't even, his, his whole world is bringing in the harvest. Well, now, how good is that? Now, what if we were about the Father's business that way? Would that, see, we're, we saved the best for last. If we're the best for the last time, and this is the last day harvest, then we should be walking around with a sickle. We should be the ones walking around, bringing in the harvest everywhere that we go. Sharon, it touched me because she said, you know, she said a few times, but she said, you know, when you're in Washington, D.C., and you're in those cabs, you're walking around, you're constantly just getting people saved. And I said, really? I'm looking at the buildings. I'm thinking, oh, there's a monument. There's a building. If I, you know, when I was there, I was just looking at all the stuff. I had the cab driver's just the guy that's going to get me there. 
am I, am I thinking that the cab driver needs Jesus? She said it was fantastic because you get to go from place to place, but you're traveling in cabs, and the whole time you're in the cabs, you just get to get people saved. She was tweeting that the whole time she was there. Got another guy saved. Got another guy saved. See, it's somebody that's walking around as the last day harvester, harvesting for the kingdom and bringing in those things. And here's, he, he began, to, he began to, to, to share this. God knows what he wants to do, and the thing is, he's assigned people to do it. Now, again, these are all things that we've heard, so when he began to share these with me, I was I was excited. But he, God knows what he wants to do in these last days. He knows what he wants to do. He knows how he wants to bring in the harvest. He knows who he wants to use, see? And he assigns you tasks. He assigns you. Didn't we talk back in the, in the very beginning of July? If not you, then who? Because there are people and things that are attached to you that will come. And then the word continued to go all through July where that kind of scripture kept coming up. That it was about the people who came after. It was about the people who came after. In the last day harvest, it's about bringing in the people who are hurting, bringing in those who need Jesus, going out and and being a demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just talking about the gospel, being a demonstration of the gospel, that we have the ability and the opportunity to go out and be Jesus in this earth. And what if this were the case? What if you only had like two weeks left? before Jesus came. Now I'm thinking I would try to go to the Alps. I would try to go, you know, I mean, I, you know, you start thinking like all the places I haven't seen. But with two weeks left, who cares? You're not gonna see it anymore. What's gonna happen to all the people who don't know Jesus? So then on the inside, you can start to think, well, I'd go around my neighborhood and then if I, you know, I'd try to get everybody saved, I'd be knocking on doors. I'd, I probably wouldn't sleep much. I wouldn't be watching TV. I wouldn't be spending time sitting there watching the tube doing those kind of things. I, probably, I would probably be spending time with the people whom I love, sure. But I'd be looking out, man, for those people who need Jesus because there's only two weeks left, and in two weeks, it's over. And then that thought comes, well, why not live our life like there's two weeks left? You know, why not begin, why not begin to spread those things now? Well, there might be two weeks left. There might be two years left. There might be 20 years left. But we're the last group of people, the last generation, I believe, from bottom to top, not just one age group, but from bottom to top, the ones who are going to usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we need to be on our game. We need to be, I don't want to be the guy who's sitting around with his feet up in a hammock and and, then Jesus comes. And I'm going, whoa, sorry, sorry. You know, I'm trying to run around, just grab somebody. You know, get saved quick. Did you hear the trumpet? Oh, what was wrong with the servant who came and they were wicked and lazy and boy, the master was not happy. God doesn't want you to die, he said, with the gifting on the inside of you. He wants you to die with the gifting poured out of you. Think of the pitcher and just emptying out every last drop. Now, we know the beauty of it with God. If we allow ourselves to be emptied out that way, we never become empty because he continues to fill us. But here's the deal. Don't let the giftings die on the inside of you. Again, this is all word that we've heard. This is all stuff that, that, that we've shared and we've talked about for months. We said don't live. We, we said we want to we die empty, but we want to live nonprofit. And then I continue to hear that theme as I go and I listen and I see all these different things. But he said this, and it was really, it was encouraging. In Genesis, in chapter 37, you know, as you talk about the story of Joseph, and we're not going to read the story, but you know the story, that he had a dream. The, the gift and the vision and all the things that God put inside Joseph, it wasn't just for Joseph. 
He said, I have a dream of greatness and all this stuff is going to happen. But the giftings and the vision and the dream and the desire and the, and the urgings and all the stuff that was put inside Joseph wasn't just for Joseph. And then you say, of course not, because he, he, in the end, he saved his family. Like he said, he brought them all there, and he ended up saving them, you know, and that was kind of part of the fulfillment of the dream and all those things. Yeah, but he saved all of Egypt. He saved Pharaoh's hide because there was famine coming, and he knew ahead of time that there was famine coming, and so they stored up all the stuff so that in the famine time, there was enough to... He followed what God wanted him to do through the hard times, through the tough times, through the testing times, through the... Through, through the jail, through the, all of those things. He went through all of the. But in the end, the fulfillment of that dream and of that vision wasn't just for Joseph. It wasn't just for his family. It saved all of those people. It saved their necks. The things that God has put on the inside of you, as he saved you for last, he saved the best for last, those things are for others. And now here's what happens. He, he begins to put you in situations. He begins to put you in places where you have to grow. See, we say, well, that's fantastic. If I can figure it out, I'll do it. Don't figure it out because you're never going to. See, we're never going to figure it out in our head. We're never going to get it straight up here in our head. I, I, I say that sometimes, but I, I don't necessarily mean that. I have to watch what I say many times because I'm saying, yeah, I'm trying to figure that out right now. I'm not really trying to figure it out up here. I'm trying to figure it out in here. I'm trying to remain more spirit than I am flesh. I found out that things go better if I do that. But here's the thing. He's going to put you in places where you're going to have to grow. We said that faith only grows in, in, in the right environment. He's going to put you in the right environment. In that environment, you're going to seem very small, but you will grow to fill that place if you walk by faith. That's why when he goes to put you in that place, you try to jump back in the old place. Because in the old place, you fit well. What happens is you usually grow to the, to, the, to the size of your environment, but then God takes you to a new environment, but you're comfortable in the old environment. And doesn't God always take you to a new place? And he asks you to do something that you can't do. And he asks you to stretch out in faith. He asks, and on the inside you're saying, oh my goodness, these are all the things that he said. But on the outside you're saying, holy cow, I don't think I can do this. I'm nervous, I'm scared, I don't know what's going to happen. But if you put that thing aside and you begin to renew your mind, you begin to go the right direction, then all of a sudden you begin to grow in faith. And you know you're doing things today that you thought you never could do before. You're sharing in areas and in times that you never would have shared in before. That you're opening yourself up or you're reaching out to people in places and in ways that you never could have done before. But you are now. Well, get ready because he's about to take you to a new environment. And, and, and as the last day army, see, the, God's best for last, he's going to take you into a place in his last days where you're going to have to grow. And the example that he used were, were, were fish. And we used to have fish, and I knew, this was, I knew this was true. And so when he began to talk about it, I was excited. Fish, many, many, of, many of the fish, you know, will begin to grow to the size of their environment. That you can find a goldfish, and he'll grow to this big because the bowl's this big. And they used to get mad at me because my fish was as big as the bowl. Well, that's all the bigger he's going to get. He's not going to triple in size. He won't, he won't have to bend over in there. He's, he's going to be as big as that environment. But if you take him then and put him in a bigger environment, he'll grow to the size of that environment. Then you take him to the next environment, he'll grow to that size. That they continue to fill the space where they are. That if you keep them in a small environment, that's all the bigger they'll get. They won't fill the whole thing up and burst it. They stop growing. It's amazing. They stop growing. I think his name was Woodrow, wasn't it? Woodrow, Woodrow was in the bowl. 
And he was only this big. And you know, I, had, I bought Woodrow and I took him out of the water and everybody here thought like I'd killed 14 babies. I just took the fish out of the water and everybody freaked out. That's a different, that's an environment story, but that's a different one. Because when you're out of the, when you're, when you're out of the presence of God, you're going to die. And when the fish comes out of water and he's just flopping around on the thing, he, he's, you, you all get upset because he's going to die. Right? I mean, we all start going, put, the, put him back in the water. Put him back in the water. Well, why? Why do I need to put him back in the water? Because he's going to die. Yet we have friends who are walking around all over the world today who don't know Jesus, who were just like that fish out of water. Yet we don't want to go and necessarily put them back in the water and give them an opportunity. But anyway, he was in a bowl, and he was like this big. And then I got a little bigger tank, and he grew that much bigger. And I'm sure Woodrow's doing fine at your house because he's in your pond and he's probably as big as he can be in the pond. Yeah, I mean, they, they grow that way. God, you continue to stretch and expand in faith as you'll go to that next place. He didn't grow overnight to fill that container. He didn't grow overnight to get to the next size. It was, it was just a matter of time. Now, we were down, at, we were down at, at Butler and we were walking around this pond and some of the biggest goldfish that I ever saw no lie, they were, they were half, the stand up, they were, they were half his size. You got to stand up, come on, hurry up, this is an this object lesson. And, and like, they, they were like, they were literally this big, at least, weren't they? I mean, they were at least, they were at least like that, and they were about this big around. They looked like torpedoes. Thanks, man. Yeah. And they were all, man, they were like, but the, the, the environment was bigger, and they started off this big too. See, you will have to grow to fill that environment. You'll have to grow to fill that place, but you don't do that. You just step out in faith, and God begins to grow you. You can't make yourself grow. He begins to grow you. But then he offers you the opportunity to come to a new environment. He puts you in a place where you're not comfortable. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to... See, we have a tendency to go back to our old bull because we're comfortable in our old bull. But he wants you to go to a new environment so that he can grow you into who he wants you to be. And as we went and talked and did all those kind of things, I I was excited. But I I really felt just to share as we went through these things that he had talked about, to share just a little bit because we are in the last day and and God did save his best for last and that's you and that's me. And it's all about just hanging out, you know, and having having buddy-buddy time and it's not like that. We We like that and we enjoy that and I love you and you love me and... You know, we want a big, happy family and all that kind of stuff. You know, but you're, you're called to a group of folks who don't know Jesus. You're called to a group of folks. Maybe they know Jesus, but they got to come to the next level in faith. You're called to people who, who you're supposed to touch, bring the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit into the room and into the place. We're the ones who are supposed to bind up, just like Jesus said, bind up the brokenhearted, bring healing to the sick. See, open up the deaf ears and do all those kind of things. And you're thinking like, whoa, bigger environment. Bigger environment. Have you seen it? You know, have you seen it happening? Have you, do you feel it stirring on the inside of you? Well, God wants to use you to do that. Greater works than these you will do. Not just the ones who were called to the fivefold ministries. He was talking to those who will receive him as their Lord and Savior and receive the infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Greater works will you do than I did. Holy smolies. Jesus spit in dirt and made blind. Go, go, go be able to see. 
He cast out devils with a word, with a touch. I mean, he did all that kind of stuff. People were healed when they touched him. You can't believe that'll happen now? Greater works. See, greater works than these will you do. Not just in the four walls of the building. Then you begin to become kind of Pharisee Sadducee if you think that everything has to happen within the building and within the four walls of the church on Sunday morning from 9 and 11 and 12. See, when you begin to put God in that kind of box, then, you be kind of be, you, then, you, then all of a sudden now, you're, you're trying to tell him the environment in which he can work. You're trying to tell him the things. You're trying to tell him what his word says and that we gather together and not forsake the assembly of all. Yeah, 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 we know all that. And that is all true and we should all come to church and we should all be a part of this. But the church should explode outside the doors just like we've been talking about and preaching for a long time. But, see, that's a bigger idea and a bigger thought. Can you expand to a bigger environment? We're off big fish in here, but can you be a big fish out there? In your job, in your school, in your house, with your children. I'm praying for that girl. She's down there at Butler. Can she be a big fish down there? I believe she can because the seeds and the things have been planted on the inside of her. And I continue to pray and continue to stand more than I've ever prayed and more than I've ever stood. Because <laughs> the devil will tell you that everything's going to go south. And man, I'm telling you what, you better, not get on his, you better not get on his train. And I am casting down vain imaginations and arguments and I'm getting rid of that stuff. As soon as they come, they are out the door to a good thought. She is my seed, and she is in that place, and she's going to flourish, and she's going to be a big fish in a new place. That's all I got to say, man. That's what, I, that's what I'm praying, that's what I'm saying, and that's what I'm believing. When the thoughts come otherwise, I'm throwing them out the window. Well, you can be realistic. I, ain't, I don't need to be realistic. Nobody said nothing in there says I got to be realistic. Everything in here says I'm not subject to this world. Are you? See, everything in here says we're not subject to this world, and the way this world works, we're not subject to that. So there's no reason we have to go by those things. We don't have, just because somebody else did doesn't mean they have. We are different. Huh? We're different, and we're special. It says in John chapter, five, chapter 4 that the fields are ripe for harvest, and God has anointed you and appointed you to go out and to bring in the harvest. It says four months and then come the harvest. Don't say four months and then come the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. In Matthew, in chapter 4, he talked to the, he was calling the four disciples and he said, Come on, follow me. Now you'll be what? Fishers of men. Get a bigger vision. So you're fishermen, and he understood the idea. They understood catching fish, they understood what that meant. You throw out the nets and you bring in a catch. And now all Jesus was telling them was what you have to do is just change your perspective. Now you're not catching the little squiggly things in the water. Now you're going after people. Squiggly things are great in the water to eat, but people are the thing that matter to Jesus. People are the thing that matter to God. The harvest matters to God. That they're going to go out now and be fishers of men. They understood what it meant to be fishermen. They understood what it meant, the sacrifice, the toil, the work. These were guys who worked on ships and they were out in the water and they were bringing in nets and they were tanned and probably had a lot of muscle and they probably, they worked hard for what they did, but they brought in a catch and that catch was valuable. And now Jesus is just turning their perspective and saying, I've got a new environment for you to work in. I don't want you to necessarily go catch fish anymore, but take those same principles, take those same thoughts, take that same work ethic. And now we're going to go and we're going to catch men. And it said, they dropped their nets and said, let's go. 
They got out of the old environment and they got into a new environment with Jesus. And they began to go that way. Now, he, he's, he's no different asking them than he asked us. In Mark, in chapter 16, it says we're, we're his disciples, right? It says we're Christians, we're Christ-like. We're part of his body, part of his family. And here's the thing, we'll claim it and we'll talk about it when it means good stuff for us. But when, but when there's a, an action side to that, when there's a, a sharp side to that, when there's a sacrifice side to that, that's when we begin to get a little nervous. It was always good to be their son in the good times, and I was all about it. If it meant I got in to sit in the cool seats, if it meant I got in a different door, if it meant I got a little bit of props, but if there was responsibility with that, I tend to shy away. That's when I sat in the rafters. When there was responsibility, when there was work to do if I was their kid, if we had to go on the bus to the projects and knock on doors and do that and bring people back, yikes. I mean, when we were little kids, we were, we were not very old, and she was, she was young and strangers. Yeah, we always had somebody in our house. We always had somebody over, and we always huddled and said, who is that? I don't know. Bill brought him. <laughs> Come on, kids, love him. And we're like, we're just three of us together, like, we ain't going anywhere. I'm a couch, you know, trying to be invisible. When there was responsibility to it, we wouldn't want to be related. But then when there was profit for us, we were right there underneath mommy's arm. See, and sometimes I think, you know, we, we, we start doing that. And we start thinking, yes, I'm a Christian. Well, that means that there's blessings because I'm Christ's child. But when there's responsibility that comes with being a part of that family, that's when we begin to pull away a little bit and say, I'll be a Christian, but I'm not a disciple. Well, that doesn't make sense. Why don't you want to be a disciple? Because it says in Matthew 16 that if you're his disciple, you'll go out and make more disciples. So I'd rather be called a Christian. I'm just Christ-like. Well, you ain't Christ-like if you're not a disciple. See, you could be a Christian. You could know Jesus. You could be part of his family, but you could be, you could be the, the son who's sitting over there trying to be a couch. See, it says in Matthew 16 that we're supposed to be the ones who are going to the Great Commission, right? Go out and teach people, preach to people, make disciples, cast out devils, heal the sick, do all the... And it's a new, new thought. I mean, like, I mean, like, you're doing it. Like when you're standing there and you, all of a sudden your heart starts beating crazy and you start going, oh, God, not now. And he's saying, oh, yeah, right now, come on. And you start seeing it, man, it's tingling all over you, and your heart's beating like crazy, and you're trying to back up, and something's pushing you forward, and you're thinking, surely not now. It's the BP gas station. Right, I'm sitting at McDonald's, and I got, oh, oh, I just wanted a Big Mac. Some of those golden, delicious little fries. I wasn't looking for it, I wasn't looking. Sit down. Expand yourself a little bit. Open up. It's not you anyway. See, the only thing you're scared about is what they might think of you. See, the only thing that I'm concerned about is what's going to happen to me. Not if this guy gets up. I'm thinking, that'd be awesome. Send somebody else. I'll pray. <laughs> Maybe that guy will do it, and I'll cheer. I'll explain it to everybody. I'm a teacher. Bring somebody else to touch. Well, why wouldn't you want to touch him? 
See, I mean, Moses didn't want to talk, so he said, fine, I'll give you Aaron, but good Lord, smack. You could have been the one guy. But now you've got to tell it to him, and he's telling everybody. I don't want no Aaron. I don't want an intermediary to me and the goodness of all that God has. I, I mean, I, that's what we wanted. And you know you live with crazy people. They're all over the place. Don't, don't be sitting there thinking, well, I don't know anybody like that. Yes, you do. You know 50 people that need deliverance. Because you complain about them all the time. The people that you're complaining about, God's probably called you to help. Not fix. <laughs> help. <laughs> There's a difference. He's called you to pray for them. He's called you to serve them. He's called you to fish for them. He's called you to nurture them. He's called you to pray and stand the gap and stay up late and intercede and think good thoughts and say good stuff. Take the arrows and the ugly and the vile and all the things that they give you and just like wipe it off and just keep smiling and going. They don't deserve that. You're right. Different environment. I don't deserve to be treated like that. You're right. But you're going to be. And your attitude being in that moment is going to determine whether or not you're going to have the victory. So you can say, they better not talk to me like that. Whatever. I'll see you on the other side, man. Can't let pride get in the way. And when we're sitting at McDonald's and God's telling us to reach out, man, he's telling us to cast. He's telling us to bring in the nets. He's telling us to pull them into the kingdom. That's, see, that all of us, only thing we're worried about is us. That's why he says, pour out your gift. That's why we say, live nonprofit, live dead free, man. Get rid of it. Don't worry about you. Now, hopefully, the person sitting next to you likes you. Most of the time. You know? So, I mean, you got a friend. Do you need any? I mean, you don't even know this person. See, you don't even know who that person is. But God does. And they may never remember who you are, but they'll remember what God did. And that's the most important thing. Not, not, not thinking, oh, what's going to happen to me? And not thinking, oh, I don't get the credit. Not, nothing. I don't think about me at all. I try to show up, say my piece, and get out the door. I try to tell everybody that I talk to, I don't care if you remember it was me or not, and does it not matter to me. If your life has changed and you are different because I was here, praise God, that was God, not me. Don't attach it to me. It was him, and I just move on down the road. I told kids all the time, I don't care if you like me or don't like me, you got to learn the math. So if you walk out the door and know the math, it doesn't matter what happened in between. If I'm all hooked up in you, whether you like me or not, that's a real problem. If you're all hooked up on whether or not it's going to go okay and they're going to receive you, that's going to be a problem because some of them aren't going to receive you. In this new environment, there are going to be some, and they will cha- it will change their life, but there are going to be others who get really nasty. And that is not your day and not your time to write them off. That is our time as believers in this new army, this last day army, to receive them right where they are, to love them and wipe the spit off of our face, to turn the other cheek and just keep going. Oh, say something else, Pastor John, not that. Not turn the other cheek. What do I do if they do this? Take it. Forgive them. Oh, they're going to talk to me like that. (laughs) Whatever, they will. And you feeling that way is only going to hurt you. If you want to be free, if you want to be this, if you want to be this bigger environment, if you want to be, if you want to walk in this, you got to let go of all that stuff. You have to be the one who does that because God's equipped you to do it. He's equipped you to fish. 
See, he's, he's, he's called you as his disciples to go out and make disciples to do these things, to change people's lives who are with you. It's a new environment and a new thought. And, I, you know, I mean, it, we talk about it all the time, but this, I mean, the new thought just means that it's revelation to you. It could have been talked about for a long time, but all of a sudden to you, it just became real today. Have you ever been that way, maybe with your spouse? You had the revelation, you've just been waiting on them. And then, what, and then one day they come in. <laughs> it's usually the ladies that have the revelation. It's usually us that are late. But anyway, I just like to turn it around because I'm preaching, so shh. So anyway... It's usually your spouse, right? You've already got the revelation of it, and they come to you with this great revelation. And you have to say, oh, that's just wonderful. Not like, I told you that 22 years ago. (laughs) It's a new thought. It just took them 22 years to get it. But thank God they got it, right? Don't rue the 22 years. Be happy that the next ones are going to be better because they got it. Don't hold the past over them. You've been wanting them to get it. They got it. So forget about the fact that they had it. It's the past. Move forward. That's never good when your mother and your wife are cackling like that. I'll just tell you. It's going to be interesting to ride home. I have done something. That... Anyway, they both tell me the same thing. You know? Isn't it, isn't it great to have good women in your life? Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the, here's the difference, okay? We have the Holy Spirit to help us. And, and we, we know this. But here's the deal. He's going to help you in a new way. It's going to be a new thing. It's all him, none of you. It's all him, none of you. And, and you, you have existed and you have grown to the extent that you've applied the word in your life to the point where you've allowed God to be real in your life, to the point where you've said, this is my revelation and this is who I am. It says we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, which means as you get revelation of the truths in the word of God, you will grow and change into that person. You go from one environment to the next. Now you're getting ready to go into a new environment. And I will tell you what, the Holy Spirit will kick it up a notch. Emerald's not the only one that kicks it up a notch. The Holy Spirit is about to take the, this is the last day. He has saved the last stuff. He has saved the greatest miracles. He has saved the greatest move for this day and for us. And so, woof. See, that's, I mean, that's, that, that's real, that's real stuff. It is not you who touches that guy and he jumps up out of his chair. That is not you who touches that person who's deaf and they can say, I hear you. That is not you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit kicking it up a notch. Because he said all of these things. See, it's all the signs, all the wonders, all the miracles that follow the preaching of the word. We've been preaching the word, and now it's time for signs and wonders. New ideas, new thoughts. Because you've been preaching the word too. We've been preaching it from the the glass pulpit up here for a long time. But how many of you have had Bible studies and had care groups and had people in your life and had friends that you've talked to and people that you've discipled? And you're preaching the word. And what follows the preaching of the word? Signs, wonders, and miracles. So as you begin to preach the word, don't be astonished when God says, reach your hand out there and touch them. You're like, ah! Because all of a sudden you're in it. And you go, but you catch yourself about right here. And then you've got to like do the wave. You just start breakdancing on them. You know, like, I wasn't going to touch you. I just, did you hear that music down the street? 
Because, I mean, like you were, you, were about, you were just in it. See, the Spirit of God begins to move in you, and you begin to reach out there, and then all of a sudden you look up and see your hand and think, I am now a break dancer. I, I don't know. I was not going to touch you. Right? I mean, that's what, we, that's what we do. We get ready to say something, and it starts coming out, and we chew on our tongue, and then we dribble all over ourselves, and then we just say something stupid. And we screw it all up. And then God's probably going, oh, five years in the making. Because you don't know what God's been doing in that person. See, he's, he's, he's making divine appointments. He's making divine connections. And you are fishing for the right fish. This is specific. You may catch a fish along the way. You may be in a cab and you may think, you know what, I'm just going to give it. This guy gives his heart to the Lord. You think, wow, that was kind of cool. That was, that was intended. You don't know who talked to that guy for five years to that point until God knew you were going to go get in that cab and talk to him. So when God says talk to him, don't shut up. Talk. Well, I don't know what to say. Exactly. God's been saying that a long time. Quit thinking. Say what I tell you. That's all you have to do because God will give you the words to speak. And it may sound strange to you. But I'll tell you what, it happened and it worked in the word of God. If you go to Acts and it says Peter got up and he began to talk about, this is what you heard in Acts chapter 2, right? This is what you heard that said that the spirit of God was going to be poured out on the sons and the daughters. That all of these things would happen. And then it says, as he spoke those words, none of that in there said, you know, Jesus Christ was on the cross and he died for you. And it didn't say that he spelled, if you read that, he didn't spell out the plan of salvation in the way in which we would today. But in the end, if you go to 37, 38, 39, those last parts of that chapter, the people cried out and said, what do we have to do to repent? He was anointed by the Holy Spirit to stand up and to speak that word and to proclaim that. And when that happened, what came? Signs, wonders, and miracles, and 3,000 people got saved that day. That's a miracle. But it didn't follow his nine-point sermon. It didn't follow the things that he had prepared beforehand. It was him looking around and saying, me? Really? Seriously? His heart was probably beating, and he just said, you know what? I'll do it. And he stepped out, and he let it rip. And that was not something that he thought up. It was not something I believe that he came up with. He did not decide that when we get here today, this is what's going to happen. This all happened in an instant. The Holy Spirit blows through the place. The doors go open. The fire on their head. They're speaking in tongues. People are freaking out. You don't have time to put together a message. You're not going to have time to put... You're going to have to go out of your house prepared for that day to be led by the Spirit of God. He did not, he did not have time at that point to go, you know what? I'll come back next week. We'll have revival. I'll explain what all this is next week. He had a moment in time to react, to begin to speak what the Holy Spirit was saying, the utterance and the things that were on the inside of him. He said it, he explained it, it cut to the heart, and people got saved that quick. And you may say, well, I don't, man, I don't, I've never preached a sermon. You won't have to preach a sermon. You'll speak out of your heart. It said the word cut straight to the heart. It was exactly. See, how many times did Jesus speak the thing that was exactly what the person needed to hear? How did he do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what did he give us? The power of the Holy Spirit. Why? So we can do that too. And then some. 
See, the gifts of the Spirit, the, the gifts of the Spirit aren't just given to the fivefold ministry gifts. They're appointed to the church, to each of us who are saved, born again, and alive unto Christ, that have the power of the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of us with the power and the evidence of speaking in tongues. Not so we can go out and be crazy, so that we can be led by God, because it says he will use him as he needs. He will, they, will, they will produce and manifest themselves in your life, if you'll allow them, as he leads. Now, you need to, you, that's, that's maturity. Don't go off and start getting strange because that, that's maturity. That's understanding. That's Romans 8, 14 that says those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. Those are the ones who know the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's a process. And you may be here today and say, man, I don't know about that. Well, you'll start learning. You'll start learning. Get hooked up. Get in VBI. We'll start talking about the classes. Start getting in there. Start finding out what God's Word says. Don't go off there half crazy. Get in here and get the truth of the Word. See, get the revelation. The revelation is the thing, right, that takes you from this thing into the new pond. Now you're in the new pond. You have to live in faith. But it's the revelation of the truth of the Word of God that He's taking you to a new place. Then you stay in that place and you grow in faith to make it. But this last days, that's you. I mean, I was excited. I was jumping up and down. I was like, wow, hot dog. I, can't, I mean, that's, that's exciting to me. Why? Because I've seen it for years. See, I've seen it for years. I've seen all this stuff. I've seen it. You see it by the Spirit. You see yourself doing something. You see somebody getting saved. You see somebody's life changing. Somebody standing up in a wheelchair. You have those visions. You have those dreams on the inside of you. As you close your eyes and you're worshiping and you see that stuff happening, you feel like you're a part of that thing. Yeah, that's all the Spirit of God. He's beginning to take you to a new environment. But he's got to prepare your heart and he's got to prep you and he's got to get you there. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Sometimes I think we're just cantankerous. I think sometimes he wants to take us through to the next level and we won't get rid of the stuff in our pack that gets us through the crevice. I'm reading this book. It talks about, you know, God will take you from level to level, but sometimes you've got to get rid of the stuff in your pack if you're going to go through the crack. That you've got to get rid of this stuff because there's just a crack that only so much can fit through that crack. But, you, but if you don't, then you just go around the mountain again with him. And you usually come back to the same crack. And you usually got the same backpack. And you have to get rid of something to go through there. And eventually, after a few more times around the mountain, you get rid of whatever that is and you go through the crack. And every time you go through, it takes you up to another level. So we're fishing. You're fishing. We're part of this deal. This is the last day. That's you, that's me. It's time to throw out the net. In Luke, in chapter 5, that's when Jesus said to them. Because they had said, Master, we've toiled all night. We've worked. We haven't caught anything. We're the fishermen. Now, this is before he called them, right? This was the same stories we talked about earlier when he said you're going to be fishers of men. The beginning of that story was him showing them. Because they were out all night. We fished all night. We didn't catch anything. And he said, let me tell you what. If you go out there and you throw out your nets, you're going to bring in a harvest. Oh, whatever. You know, and then they said, okay, fine. We'll go out and we'll do it. It says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But they, you know, they said, we, 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 you know, that's not us. That's not our thing. You know, we've already done it all night. We're tired. And how many times have we said, come on, God, I'm not at Walmart. Not at McDonald's or not, you know. This isn't church. I'll bring him to church. Pastor John will pray for him. What if Pastor John's not here? Pastor Corey. Well, usually where I am, he is <laughs> a lot of the time. No, God picked you because he wanted to use you. He wanted you to throw out your net. You can go on to the next one because he, he wants you to throw it out. Why? Because he's got a big catch. 
He's got a big catch for you. And it says he threw out the net. And when he threw out the net, keep going, Greg, we get to the net. When he threw out the net, they brought in, they brought in a harvest that was too much for them. It says when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. It was a new idea and a new thought and he was getting ready to take them into a new environment. Because right after that, he said, now you're going to be fishers of men. Come follow me. What'd they do? They dropped their nets, man. They saw it happen. They saw what went down. They knew that they had tried their best. They had done all the things that they needed to do. They knew that they were great fishermen. They were skilled and they, were, they, they had the giftings and they had the talent. They had done it for years. They hadn't caught anything. Jesus said to do that. They went out and threw out the nets and they had more fish than they didn't want to do with. The other boats had to come to help them get the fish. There's all those things. And now all of a sudden he said, I want you to come follow me and be fishers of men. New thought, new environment. And they said, I'm in. And they changed the world. See, they became part of his 12 that ultimately, absolutely turned the world upside down. So now we have that same choice, I guess. We have that same decision. And, and most of us have said, man, that's us, that's us. I, we want to be that. Now what I'm just telling you today, what I'm just proclaiming to you today is get ready because it's about to happen. I mean, new environment. I mean, you got you to begin to think it's you that's going to touch that person. It's you that's going to... See, you're going to be the one who speaks the word. You're going to be the one who touches the eyes and they can see. You're going to be the ones who touch their ear, they can hear. You're going to be the one who touches that arm and it grows out. It grows a new arm. That doesn't happen every day. But it's about to. Amen? Let's stand up. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.